0: Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, the Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Nancy P. I live in West Newton, Massachusetts, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, December 8th, and we are reading <clears throat> excuse me from the big book, and we're at page 151, the third paragraph, beginning with, now and then a serious drinker, ending with, he will wish for the end, on page 152, reading just a single paragraph. Today's readers are Nancy T., Devorah S., and Roz G. Tenzin P. is reading the 12 Steps, and Christina L. is reading the 12 Traditions. Sam S. is the Newcomer Greeter, and Chris G. is the host for the second hour. The reference number for Tuesday, December 7th, for the 7 a.m., is 18,199. That's 18,199. <clears throat> Excuse me. And for the 10 a.m. is 18,200 I will now ask Tenzin P. to read the 12 steps.
1: Good morning, everyone. Tenzin P. checking in from New York City. Um, Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Wishing everyone a blessed day.
0: Thank you, Tenzin P. I will now ask Christina L. to read the 12 traditions.
2: Good morning. This is Christina L., Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA means to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 7. Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. 8. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 9. OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before our personalities. Thanks for letting me do service. Have a great day.
0: Thank you, Christina L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive over-readers only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. reading the third paragraph, beginning with, now and then a serious drinker, ending with, he will wish for the end on page 152, reading just a single paragraph. I will now ask Nancy T. to begin reading. Good
3: morning, Nancy. Can you hear me okay? I can. Perfect. Nancy T. will Recovered Compulsible Reader in Lewiston, Idaho this morning. Now and then a serious drinker being dry at the moment says, I don't miss it at all. Feel better, work better, having a better time, As ex-problem drinkers, we smile at such a Sally. We know our friend is like a boy whistling in the dark to keep up his spirits. He fools himself. Inwardly, he would give anything to take half a dozen drinks and get away with them. He will presently try the old game again, for he isn't happy about his sobriety. He cannot picture life without alcohol. Someday he will be unable to imagine life either with alcohol or without it. Then he will know loneliness, such few, such as few do. He will be at the jumping-off place. He will wish for the end. Wow, there's a lot in here. Um, as as I started reading, I realized they're talking about the Type Three here in the Big Book, the real alcoholic or compulsive reader for our discussion. Um, they're not talking about a moderate or a hard eater here, and we know that because of how the description that comes later. So they're talking about the real the real McCoy here. Um, and, you know, when um, when I heard that he's saying, I don't miss it all, feel better, work better, having a good time, I thought if that was me uh, talking the talk but not walking the walk. So I would show up with a smile on my face, I'm doing great, but really inside. I haven't had that inward change yet. I haven't had that spiritual experience that brings me the true freedom, which is in my head because that's where the main problem lies for me. So I'm still miserable, but I just kind of, Uh, faking it until I make it but I'm not doing the work in order to make it. Um, It's, uh, I like um, when it said inwardly you would give anything to take half a dozen drinks and get away with them because I used to think I you know my biggest desire was to be a normal eater well that's not how normal eaters act you know what I really wanted was to be able to eat what I want when I want how much I want without consequences right because I'm one of those that got up to 372 pounds my consequences were very evident to everybody I could not hide my disease and, you know, when the big book says that um, what we want most is to be able to control and enjoy our, our eating, when I'm controlling my eating, I'm certainly not enjoying it. And when I'm enjoying it, I'm certainly not controlling it. So it's this hellish place that you find yourself in. And it describes that at the end of this paragraph. He cannot picture life without alcohol. Someday he'll be able unable to imagine it with or without. And that's where I am. When I'm in the food, I'm miserable. When I'm out of the food, I'm miserable. And that's because I'm just on a diet. I haven't had the spiritual inward change deep down within me that brings me the true freedom. And so, I, you know, I don't know the true from the false. I'm just miserable with or without it. He will be at the jumping off place. He will know loneliness such as few do. He will wish for a end. That's exactly that point of desperation. What the hell am I going to do? And I don't know what to do. I do because I have people pointing out to me exactly what I need to do, the steps, although it doesn't seem um, like it's, I'm like, how is that going to work? But I get to that place of desperation to where I'm like, okay, uncle, I'll try it. Thank you, God, that I was willing to try it. I had to try it more than once. I didn't get it totally the first time or the second time or even the third time. But I knew that this is where the answers lie because when I read this book, it tells me exactly who and what I am and I can relate because I've lived it so I'm grateful for the instructions in the book and I'm gentle also grateful for each and thanks Nancy and I'm also grateful for each and every one of you that have supported me all along the way with that I'll pass thank you
0: thank you so much Nancy T okay although we value your experience we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too so, who would like to share on the paragraph that was just written? And um, if you have Mr. shared Mr. in the last, L. just a minute, just a minute, if you have shared in the last two days, that means Monday or Tuesday, we ask that you step back and let somebody else share. So, who would like to share? Victoria e. R. Christina J. Christina J. Victoria Elm. Victoria Anybody else? Phil R? R? M. Phil M. An M. Did you get Nessa R? Nessa Hope B. You, Hope. Okay. Did you get Riva P? Riva. Okay. All right. So we'll stop there. Uh, Here's the lineup. Christina J, Victoria L, Phil M, Ann M, Nessa R, Hope. You'll have to give me your last initial and Reva P. Okay, Christina J, go right ahead.
4: Good morning, Nancy. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for your
5: service. Christina J from the state of Washington recovered in God's grace today. this really reminded me of my, the last paragraph did, too, of my dieting days. I was a serious uh, eater, and I was a serious dieter. And every time I'd be on a diet, I'd feel great, you know, first two weeks especially, you know, and um, having a better time, I was going to get into those clothes I always wanted to wear, um, and I didn't really want to eat all my crap but I was dreaming of the day when I could have one or two. But I noticed when I got away from sugar, I didn't want it. I didn't want it anymore. You know, the allergy was down in those dieting days. But um, one time I went on Optifast. I went on Optifast three times, and that's that starvation routine, 400 calories a day. (laughs) And the the first weekend, my husband would go to work at 3.30, and my feelings were coming up. I'd never felt this before in my life because I always stayed busy, you know. I was either eating on a diet or shopping or staying busy, never facing what was really going on deep inside of me. He left for work and I was overwhelmed. I went late on the bed and I wept from the deepest parts of myself because I realized I was lonely. I was in a relationship that wasn't physical, wasn't emotional, wasn't spiritual. There was no conversations hardly. I was lonely and I had nobody to reach out to. This dieting program I was on, they didn't recommend we call each other and support one another. I didn't know what to do. The food wasn't an option because I wanted to be a good girl on this diet and I wanted to lose weight. I didn't know how I was going to make it. The only way I made it through that afternoon was extreme white knuckling. I knew loneliness, as it talks about here, as few do. I had no idea that I'd been so lonely inside myself for so long. I never wished for an end, but I... (laughs) I didn't know what to do. And it went on like that throughout my life. And I really think that I was just a serious eater, never admitting that I had a problem until 2020, July 2020, because I would always relapse. I could fix my problem, you see. I could always get back on. And that's just the BS of the disease voice in our heads. We can't get back on. We're never gonna get back on until we take that step one fully, fully admitting we're powerless over that first bite. The first bite, not the binges and the the
0: extreme eating,
5: but the first bite is what we're powerless over that takes us to all that. So if you're out there and you're struggling, uh, I always say this, get in here and get going because the program, the loneliness goes away. The loneliness goes away and you have fellows and you have a food plan and you have the steps and the tools and you can make it through life without this damn disease. Thank you for letting me share
0: Thank you, Christina L. Victoria L., you're up. Christina J., I mean, Victoria L., you're up.
6: Good morning, everyone. I'm Victoria L., and I am a compulsive eater. Haven't shared on the line in probably months, I would guess. You know, I've been around OA since February of 2012, and another program for almost 20 years. And um, I haven't had that spiritual experience yet, and it's, confounding to me. Everything that the speaker read this morning and everything the speaker shared is the exact place that I'm in. And, um, you know, this disease just brings me to my knees. And it's not for lack of trying. Um, Maybe it's lack of surrender. Um, You know, there's a great um, speaker share on compliance versus surrender, something like that. I might just be in compliance. I know the sayings. I'm a very intelligent person, you know, let go or get dragged. Um, I've worked the steps multiple times. I have a sponsor I work with actively. I reach out. I call other people. I do prayer and meditation. Um, But the food still calls to me. And I just keep relapsing over and over and over and over again. And I'll call people, and some people will talk to me with compassion and understanding and share their experience. Um, some people will pepper me with questions in the third degree and ask whether I'm lying about my food that I commit. And I don't have the answers to any of that. All I know is that this is an extremely powerful disease and there can be people like me who listen to the phone bridge every day and do the majority of what's shared, who read the big book, who read the big book, and for some reason um, the program's still not coming to them. And I and I share that because we hear a lot of um, hope on these lines and the strength of the program, but I, I don't really often hear about the people who are still struggling in the disease despite having stuck around. And the amazing thing about it is that I've never left, you know, December or January or February 2022 is going to be 10 years of being an overeaters anonymous without ever getting more than six, nine months of abstinence. So, you know, Christmas is coming up. We've got the trifecta holiday season that we're in in the middle right now, and I call it family neurosis season, and my disease always finds a reason to eat. You know, the scale doesn't say what I want to, or the clothes don't fit the way I want to, or there's an emotional issue with stress at work, and, um, you know, I'll think it through. I'll beg and I'll plead with God, please don't let me take this non-abstinent bite, and um something will always leads me back to the food. So I'm just sharing that honestly because I figure if I don't get on my knees and surrender and be uh brutally honest about where I'm at, I'm never gonna get this program. Gentle reminder. And, uh, thank you. And I, I don't think I'm terminally unique. I just think uh you know, maybe it's lack of faith or or whatever it is, but If there's anyone out there who understands what I'm saying and is sharing what I'm saying, give me a call. I'm in Muncie, Indiana. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Victoria L. Phil M., you're up.
7: Thank you, Nancy. Uh, My name's Phil M. I'm a gratefully recovered convulsive overeater from Northern Ireland. And um, what really spoke to me about this was... um, he will presently try the old game again, for he isn't happy about his sobriety. Um, fairly early on programme, you know, I, <clears throat> I just couldn't picture life without, well, not life without alcohol, life without sugar, life without chocolate. I had no idea who I would be or what I would be. I thought I would be like really boring not that i think i'm terribly interesting or anything but it just was was incredible that life could go on without sugar anyway someone said at an early meeting that the day would come and i wouldn't want chocolate and i thought she was bonkers you know um but then it did happen and it was a miracle i just you know it was sitting in front of me it might have been cardboard and i couldn't wait to go to the next meeting and you know share how this amazing thing had happened and. Um, It was pretty incredible. Um, However, I had a brilliant plan. And we all know how the brilliant plans go. My brilliant plan was to keep five grams uh, per hundred gram ingredients as sugar in what I was eating. And that was, uh, looking back, it was madness at the time. It seemed very wise. And um, it was like keeping a little bit of heroin you know um and it had that effect i had an abstinence but it was a weak abstinence um i kept having food dreams or actually more like food nightmares waking up in a cold sweat thinking i had picked up but not realizing that these were you know red lights to to really be paid attention to not to be brushed off as as nothing Um, Anyway, the effect of that was that after a year and a half thinking that abstinence was recovery, um, I lost it. I lost it. And what followed was five and a half years of relapsing, slipping, sliding, all the rest of it. I did keep going back to the meetings. um, And finally, finally, I was defeated. I was beaten into a state of reasonableness. And uh, I found a very special sponsor in Vision. And um, she asked me to drop everything that had a slight ingredient of sugar in it. And I, you know, it, it was tough. It was really tough to take on board. And what I really balked at was when I discovered that stock cubes have sugar in them. You know, it's incredible the amount of sugar that is in our food, and our pre-prepared food, even in chicken slices and ham and bacon. It is Just possible to get oh thanks with, with these things without sugar but it takes effort and it's been so worth it i am now happiness happy about my abstinence thank you with that i'll pass thank you phil m
8: Anne m you're up hi nancy this is Anne m here recovered compulsive overeater from ireland and um, can i be heard okay you can brilliant thanks nancy and thanks for doing a great job um yeah again you know it just really homes to me you know about the solution and the problem and you know about being abstinent and uh being abstinent versus being recovered and uh yeah you know it's that part in the big book i suppose where it's um you know it's where they the the guy comes up from the cyclone cellar and says a a, I can't remember the the exact lines, but it's basically you know he stopped drinking and uh, that's all his problems solved and everything and everyone around him to be you know to be okay because he's not drinking and you know I've often heard it said you know abstinence is only the ticket in the door you know it's it's the it's the second surrender the first surrender for me was the was the food and the second surrender is myself. Um and giving myself over to this simple program and abandoning myself utterly to my higher power. um Yeah, when I came in first, you know, I struggled for many, many decades in the food and uh, I didn't have a clue about recovery. I didn't know, you know, I was powerless over food. I didn't know I had a disease. I didn't know the way I was living was, you know was it was an internal condition and that I was completely numb and I was toxic with the fumes of really emotions that I didn't want to feel and you know today it's a very different it's a very different approach you know life in recovery is for me it's about putting the food down and taking the actions that that require for me to The first thing is to acknowledge my problem and to know what my solution is and to really sign up and, you know, to be to be prepared to do the work to unblock this this connection you know, access to my higher power is my problem and maintaining that connection by by remaining unblocked to my higher power. And, and again, channeling that connection to my higher power and uh, cultivating that relationship with my higher power and giving service and giving this program, you know, what I've been freely given, giving it away. And that's how, How I remain, you know, not rave and abstinent. That's how I remain happy, joyous and free and free from the obsession, free from the allergy, but also, you know, free free from all this build up of emotions in my in my in my being and also the build up of emotions, but also the being emotionally sober, being in harmony with the world and peace with everybody and everything around me and, you know, having a good, strong connection with my higher power that gets deeper and more, you know, it's more cultivated each day, one day at a time. So with that, I would pass. And thanks again, Nancy, for your service. Perfect timing. Okay, Nessa R., you're up.
9: Hi, good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, the jumping of point, to me, that's a million dollar question you know, uh, what is the jumping off point? How do we get to the jumping off point? Because being abstinence is very easy uh, once uh, one is recovered because there's no food obsession and also no allergy, obviously, because we're not consuming any, any allergens. But then how do we get there? How do we get there? Because, you know, being abstinence prior to recovery is very hard. It is very, very hard. Um, it's It's very uncomfortable. And most people uh, don't want to withstand the discomfort. I mean, if it was easy, everybody would be recovered. And sadly, most people don't recover. And it's because of that, Um, the I don't want to say inability, but the unwillingness to withstand the discomfort of abstinence um, long enough, not forever, temporary, long enough to work through the steps according to the big book. And I get asked this question often, by, you know, some who relapse or printing program who pick up the food. Like, how do I stand abstinence? And to me, that, that is the answer. When we cannot imagine food with or uh, life without, with or without the food. You know, for me, that was when the pain of being in the food was so much greater than the pain of not being in the food. And, and then the answer that I get from them is like, but I'm in a lot of pain now. It's like, yeah, you're in a lot of pain now because you picked up, and so in addition to the the fullness and the stomach ache and the clothes not fitting, and the self loading and recrimination, um, it's making it painful uh, for you. But that pain has to be there before we pick up. Um, you know, there's just no no other answer. You know, that that pain of being in the food. Uh, being greater than the pain of not being in the food has to be there before I pick up, and it's, you know to me it was a great amount of pain. You know, like I, I came into the rooms. I was uh, 37. Um, I stayed in the rooms till I was 46 for nine years, and I didn't reach that point for nine years. Um, by the grace of God, I did, um, and it was a specific event that brought on that pain. Um, which is actually not even related to the food. It was seeing somebody who had a similar life to me, to my own, that was imperfect and a painful at times, that was happy, joyous, and free despite all her challenges. And that just, just like, brought my pain to a new level. I really wanted what, I ha- what she had. And I saw for the first time in my life, in front of my face, that it was possible. And so for me, I, I started wanting that recovery. I wanted what she had more than I wanted the food. Just a As reminder? You the pain was, thank you. was just at a, at a whole new level, but it has to be before we pick up. Uh, that is the jumping off point. And uh, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Nessa R. Hope, I need your last initial.
10: I'm Hope B from California. Um,
11: B or B?
0: B as in Baker. Okay, Hope, oh, go right ahead.
10: <laughs> um, I'm Hope B from California. Um, with me, I found that I had no problems when I first came into the program staying abstinent. My my um, my um, problem was sugars and chocolates, you know, and so when I first came in, I had no problems with staying away from sugars and chocolate. even though there were times that it's like, I would wonder, you know, how is it I'm going to make it um, without having sugars and chocolates? And my sponsor was really good about saying, okay, just for today, you can do this, you know, and, and that would help me immensely, you know, by the just for the day, I could not have sugar and chocolate. Um, when COVID hit, um, I lost my sponsor, and I lost my abstinence at that, at that point, um, and um, I went crazy, you know, just crazy on eating um, sugars and chocolates, you know, chocolatey desserts, and what was really bad about it was I'm diabetic as well, you know, um, which led to be in the hospital with a blood sugar of 470. Um, I got a new sponsor and my new sponsor was very rigid, um, and very controlling, but I, it was good for me. However, it, it just didn't work. Um what I needed was somebody to teach me to be honest, you know, because I just wasn't honest. Now, I wasn't honest with the fact that I was lying about the foods I was eating. That was lying about a lot of things. Um, I was lying about the fact that, yeah, I liked sugars and chocolates and I wanted to eat them. And, you know, not admitting that to myself was really difficult for me. Um, so I, I found a sponsor, um, at a meeting and she talked about her abstinence being, um, just being rigorously honest with herself um, and her sponsor. And it's like, sign me up, you know, I'm there. Um, And I've been working with that sponsor for quite a while. I've been abstinence for quite a while, you know, rigorously honest, um, I'm food neutral now. It's really helpful, you know, because As far as I'm concerned, I tell too many lies to myself about the food being okay, and it's okay to eat desserts, sugary desserts. Um, And for me, it's not okay. My diabetes—it doesn't work. Um, So I just really need to put down the food um, and and be, you know, um, be abstinent with gentle reminder. Okay, thank you.
0: Okay, thank you, Hope B. Reva P., you're up.
12: Good morning, this is Reva P., Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. This paragraph for me um, really reminds me the difference between being dry and being recovered. And I thought when I came in that I just had a food problem, that food was the problem, and I needed to use the people and the meetings and the support to just keep the food down. But this paragraph is such a great reminder. It shows me what it looks like if I try to treat compulsive overeating with abstinence only. And I for sure did that before I came into program. But you know what? I can easily slip into that mindset in program, thinking that I have a physical problem. So if I treat a spiritual problem with a physical solution, it will not work. Um, and when this business of you know whistling in the dark, that's like me saying you know I. The ultimate would be to eat what I want when I want and never gain a pound. Um, and I'm like white knuckled, abstinent, um, and getting to the place where I can't imagine uh, life sober with alcohol or without it. That reminds me when I got to the place where I couldn't get drunk enough. The food just wasn't doing it for me. I couldn't get drunk enough on the food and I couldn't get abstinent. And for me, it had nothing to do with how much weight I had lost or gained, what was going on in my life, my emotions. It had to do with a spiritual bottom, a spiritual bottom where my spirit just cannot go on anymore. I can't live like this anymore. It doesn't matter all the externals. When I get to that spiritual bottom and I am in that stuck place, I can't live with the food, I can't live without it. That's the jumping off place. And that's the place where I am so desperate, I will do anything you tell me. Um, and you know, it's easy to rest on my laurels and easy to stay at you know, whatever level I'm at. And it's a continuous constantly growing and developing my spiritual um my spirit um because if i rest on my laurels i'm in that same place and with that i pass
0: thank you reva p okay before we take more names I will just say that we're on page one fifty one, the third paragraph, beginning with now and then a serious drinker, ending with he will wish for the end up on page one fifty two, reading just that single commenting on just that single paragraph. Who would like to share um as long as you haven't shared on
13: Monday or Tuesday of this week? Erin Kay. Erin Kay.
4: Carmela G.
0: Carmela G. Penny C. Penny. Sarah R. Sarah R. Dana P. Dana P. One more. Brenda A. Kathy C. Brenda A. And, Ka- and Kathy, if we have time, you'll be on there. Okay, uh, Aaron Kay, go right ahead.
13: Hi, this is Aaron Kay, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, you know, for, for me, especially as I um, struggled for the first couple of years in a way, uh, still, you know, eating and just not getting it, you know, the the whistling in the dark pretty much turned into crying in the dark and i think you know as i read these words i think Bill's really you know when he says it's jumping off point i think he's actually you know talking about the point where you know an addict comes you know where they they don't want to live anymore um and that i came to that point but I realized, you know, I wanted to live, but I just didn't want to live like I was living anymore. And, you know, it it did feel like standing on a precipice and looking down at a great height where I couldn't see the bottom. And what it took was, you know, for me to actually take my parachute off and just hurl myself off the cliff without the parachute of, all the ways that I tried to control and enjoy all of the ways in which I used self-will to try to live my life. And I jumped without that parachute and something caught me. And it was this fellowship and this force for good that I don't fully understand, but I try to stay connected with every day. And I really appreciate um, the person who shared earlier about, about struggling, um, because you know i may not be happy and joyous every moment and i don't even even as you know somebody that calls myself recovered i don't feel happy and joyous every moment but i do feel free you know because i i feel like i i have a different way now when you know that the happy dissipates and the joy dissipates and i am finding even in this early recovery with the ups and downs It doesn't have to feel good at every moment, but I just, you know, I pick myself up, dust myself off and figure out, okay, how can I deepen my surrender today? What can I do to get out of myself and help somebody else? Um, And, you know, the answer to that is is never to eat. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Erin Kay. Carmela
0: G., you're up.
4: Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for being on the line. My name is Carmela G, and I am a grateful, compulsive overeater recovered for today. Um, the more I listened to the reading and reread it over and over again, the more I realized that the beginning of the paragraph told me what I was like when I first entered program, when I knew nothing of how to work the steps and live in the steps. When I was just struggling with the abstinence and listening to meetings and other fellows, and just using all the catchwords, all the phrases that I thought that was going to get me recovered, um, But today, eight years into abstinence, and eight years into digging deep into my heart. It's an inside-out process. The beginning with the food and the abstinence is necessary, but it was a small piece of the complexity of my recovery. Today, I need to dig in and truly speak from the heart. And that is the only way that I can truly be free of this disease because each one of us are complex human beings with very similar personality defects. We call them bedevilments. We're addicts. And we live in a life with other people and other things happen. And we need to dig in and develop that relationship with that power that is greater than we are so that we can deal with our everyday life through this relationship with this power. And that's how I found this paragraph today. It's not the catchphrases. It's what's within me. And my connection and my relationship and my guidance by the power greater than I that I call God. And with that I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank, <clears throat> thank you, Carmela C. Uh Carmella G rather. Penny C, you're up.
14: Good morning. Thank you, Nancy. And this is Penny C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from the Boston area. Oh wow! Um, this uh, the last few lines in this paragraph. Um, it's about it's about me. You know, uh, I I couldn't picture life without food, and sooner or later I couldn't. I was unable to imagine life either with or without binging and, and all the food uh, that I I could consume. And I knew loneliness. Uh I was at the jumping off place and then this last sentence uh I I did wish for the end. And my, my experience was I was in my early thirties and uh the first the first woman in my nursing school class and I went to a nursing school where we had to live there for three years so we all got to know each other really well. And um she died leaving three little children. Um she died of cancer and I we we went many of us went to her funeral and I watched her husband come down the aisle with two little children tottering behind him and carrying the little one in his arms and and I was jealous. I watched that casket and I wanted to be in it. That's how that's where that's where the disease led me to that one of my lowest points ever. I had all the bedevilments, and life was just um, was just too hard. You know, I wanted I wanted to I wanted the end, but I always say, and it's true, I, I I wanted to be dead, but I didn't want to be the one to kill me. And I prayed, I prayed to have some disease that would take me. It's just incom- incomprehensible to me that that was a good ten fourteen maybe, fourteen years before I found OA. And God was always there taking care of me even when I didn't know it. And I somehow I survived those next years till I got to OA and found out that I had a disease and the people at that first meeting just embraced me, um, said, Please come back, um, told me told me that there was there was a solution and it was in the big book, and that very week I got a big book, and I've never stopped studying it. And I'm so grateful to everybody on this this meeting that helps me continue, continue to remain in this kind of beautiful recovery. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Patty. Penny C., Sarah
4: R., you're up. This is Dana P. Can I be heard? Sarah P?
0: Sarah R. No, Sarah R. Sarah P can go. It's okay. We'll stay in we'll stay in line. Sarah, do you want to share or not?
15: Sure. Hey everyone, good morning. My name is Sarah R. This is such an awesome meeting. Um I loved all the shares. Um it's funny because you know, they're talking about the concept of like a living dead and um I didn't even realize it at the time because, like, if you think about it, my main addiction is the addiction of more. And, um, you know, there's, like, I always wondered, like, how come the weight doesn't stay off? And I know, like, looking around, I see so many people losing so much weight every day, but, you know, I, I, I'm understanding that it's this spirituality that this road of happy destiny, can for me, can only be achieved when there's something else. I can easily stop eating. I can easily lose half myself in like a few short months cuz it's just like human bodies are mathematical equations. Just cut out this, but I was never happy. I was, you know, any any event, any holiday, any anything, right? It's always about the food no matter what and um how much food or how much food I'm having or not having When can I get the food? How terrible the food is? Any event, going out with friends, it's never about where anyone wants to go. It's always about, like, well, what will Sarah eat? And that's really not a way to live. And um, my my, my beautiful life by living in program is the ability to be of service to others, the ability to, you know, go to Hanukkah parties and still be abstinent, but still be able to enjoy I've never enjoyed a Hanukkah party because it was always about how much food I had or didn't have. So I feel like this paragraph, you know, encompasses so many things about my recovery. And, and I it's it, it like kind of tells me a bit about the promises, about like where I get to be because I'm, I'm doing this spiritual program. For a year and a half, I was in these rooms, but I was just sticking to my food plan because that's what I had to do. And you know, I want to use the word terrified. I wasn't terrified of the food plan, but I was terrified what would happen if I would eat outside of my food plan, right? The concept of I don't want to tell really it was I don't want to tell people that I'm going to lose my abstinence. But now with my sponsor, it's all about it's just connecting spiritually every minute of every day. And it's just, it's, it's a beautiful program. So thank you all for being a part of it with me. And with that, I passed, Have a good day.
0: Thank you, Sarah R. Dana P., Europe.
16: Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. um, And my apologies for stepping over. Uh, Thank you, Nancy, for your service and everyone here on the line. Um, What a beautiful uh, paragraph and meeting this morning. Uh, You know, I had this vision. Well, actually, what I'd like to say is that I came into this program in denial don't even know that I'm lying but the truth is I kind of knew I was lying I had this idea and it was that certain critter down inside me that told me that my belief was a lie that you know I believed that if I could stop the compulsory overeating and purging by vomiting that everything else would come into line and I was able to do that you know and it was pretty much relieved uh, immediately which in itself is a miracle um, but then I got cocky, just like this guy in the, in the uh, paragraph here. I can see him. He's this young, cocky guy. And like I was doing it on the power of my will. And as I continue deeper into this uh, pushing, pushing with my will, I touched that place in myself that the first, uh, the first speakers mentioned about this loneliness. And I realized, wow, that is where the source of my suffering is. It's that loneliness, that emptiness that I was trying to fill up with food and then rejecting um, what I really thought was, was, the, was the true source of my suffering. And what did that come down to be? It was this lack of connection with, with uh, my higher power. Um, and ultimately, as I continued to work the program, because I did, and you know we're talking about that white knuckle sort of thing, and bodies are amazing. You know, once we stop the the behavior, we do start to feel better. We start to feel feel better physically. I certainly did. Um, Things get better with the body, and and the mind gets in control of it and says, oh, I got this. I got this. And that self-confidence comes out. So there is a feeling better. But, you know, for this compulsive overeater, for this real compulsive overeater, this human being, the suffering is that lack of connection um and i've heard it said and i hear people on the line say it in one way or another it's that you know those of us that have this disease or any form of the ism what our true true purpose is to find a connection with our higher power and we're all seekers and that's why we're here you know you're all my litter mates um And I'm I'm so grateful to be a member of this program and uh, to have been guided and directed by my higher power to specifically this particular meeting. So I'm going to pass with that. Um, Thank you so much. Thank you, Dana P. Brenda A., you're up.
0: Um, Actually, and Brenda... um, We have five minutes left, so if we're going
6: to take
17: two
0: minutes here so that Kathy... Okay, good.
17: okay. Okay. Good morning. Thank you all for your service. Thank you for all of my beautiful fellows who support me along with my higher power, who I call God. I am gratefully recovered one day at a time by the grace of God. And in reading this paragraph, it reminds me at my face-to-face meeting last night, we read the AA 12 and 12 Step 12 in honor of December. And it speaks to, as most people were offended by initially, that most of us addicts are children. We've never grown up. And the thing that I've learned, that was the quintessential me. I could do what I want when I wanted to, and then I realized I could not, that I needed to hold my higher powers hand and have him hold mine. And I could diet with the best of them. I never had a lot of weight to lose, and it was not unusual for me to lose 5, 10, 20 pounds in a short period of time. And when I became recovered for the first time, that's what I was doing. I was recovered with group support. I was abstinent, but that's all I was. And my beautiful sponsor said to me, You have become spiritually unfit. And of course, I was offended. Me, me, sponsor to five people at the time, me. And I finally fell flat and I fell into the pit. And the truth of the matter was, yeah, I was abstinent, but I had stopped my connection with my higher power, and my self-will ran riot. Well, by the grace of God, I am recovered again today. I am sponsoring again today. And I know that my greatest joy is giving to others what has been given to me. And that is something... I hold on to dearly and I respect dearly, and I thank all of you for helping to sustain me along with my higher power. And with that, I pass and wish everyone a serene day. Thank you.
0: Thank you, uh, Brenda A. Kathy C., you will take us out, and you have uh, about two minutes and 30 seconds.
11: Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Kathy C. here, Recovered Compulsive overeater from Montreal, Canada. Now, this paragraph, you know, reminds me of me trying to be dry, like just trying to be on a diet, right, and still not happy. Me working the symptoms, that illusion that if I just try harder, the illusion of control, but it left me, and it got worse and worse, and thinking that, well, you know, if I change the circumstances, I'll be happy. Um, you know, if I change this, or change that, um, and it reminded me of that unmanageability because that's where I need the help. Because the knowledge I have, I have a food plan, a planet of eating. If I just stay away from those foods that don't create the allergy of the body, I do get a relief. Physical. But what, what about my heart and my mind? There's where I need the help. I can't manage on my own self-will with what I have. There's no happiness there. I can't picture life, you know, without Eating, I couldn't. What am I going to do there when there's, there's how, how's that going to be? I couldn't sit with myself. And there's where I felt the loneliness. And then I thought, that's what powerlessness means. I don't have enough power. But now that I have a power, I can stay with myself with my own thoughts. And I like my thoughts now. Or I did it before. That's the transformation. That's what recovery looks like. You know, my thoughts come and go. That's what I do with them that makes a difference. And I did wish for the end. I wanted all that to stop. You know, like myself, I hated myself. You know, I wanted to do something and I did the opposite. I felt like a fraud. Now I don't. I'm in alignment with the truth, with honesty. I go to bed feeling, feeling pretty good about myself and my relationship. And if I don't, I know what I need to do because I have a program now and God will direct my thinking.
15: With
0: that, I pass. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, um, Kathy C. Perfect timing. Okay, so thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Wednesday, December 8th, is 18208. That's 18,208. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Devora S. Please
18: read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hey, everyone. Hi, I'm Devorah S., and I'm Recovered. Thank you, God, for today. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation, morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got.